0: Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is The Riverfront, episode number 429. I am your host, Chad Dotson, with me this week. A friend that's been with us quite a bit here lately, and I'm glad because I have a great time every time we get a chance to talk. It's our buddy Wick Terrell from Red Reporter, redreporter.com. How are you, Wick?
1: I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Uh, We've gotten a chance to watch some good pitching and uh, not watch the team get buried before the game even starts. Um, which happened a lot earlier on this year. So it's kind of settled into um, a fun little time to watch the Reds play. And um, if you can ignore the bullpen and just look at who they're getting back, it's uh, it's been good. So I'm good. Uh, it's, I'm always better when I'm watching baseball that doesn't make me want to rip my hair out. And at least it hasn't been so much of that of late.
0: And we will talk about the bullpen a little bit, but I think that's a good point. Ah! Sorry, I know we have to to do it, but um, it's a good point, which is that, okay, they started, you know, three and 71 on the season. It was was a tough start, it was was not ideal. And so, um, but since then, you know, they're not the best team in the league, but they're competitive generally day in and day out. And maybe it's just our lowered expectations, but I don't know. You know, I, I have fun watching them most days, even when this lineup sometimes looks. Hideous, just like garbage, but you got some guys that are, uh, you know, uh, overperforming maybe, but uh, and and a bunch of fun guys, except for one, maybe the guys that are fun to root for. And uh, so I I don't know. I mean, you know, there
1: there are good things to take away from this team, right? Yeah, there certainly are. You know, it's it's, you know, not to not to get too morbid and go back on uh, on how things used to be. But this was always one of those seasons where you looked up and realized that there were a lot of players that were kind of on the cusp of making their big league debuts that you were pretty hopeful about. And uh, it was going to be a bridge season, regardless of what the Reds chose to do, and which direction they chose to go, uh, because there are a lot of guys whose contracts are running down and whatnot, you know, uh, uh, back before we found out exactly how frugal the ownership was going to be it was one of those things where you hoped that they would transition it slowly you know and they'd start the season and see where hunter green fit in and how ready he actually was and see if nick lidolo could stay healthy which he hasn't which is fine because you'd have a wade miley around or you have somebody else to help pick up those pieces and then you kind of gradually disassociate yourself with a miley or a sunny gray if graham ashcraft popped up or Hunter green was there you do that gradually and you turn it over. You don't cut and run and then see what's left. And um, so we missed that little bridge period. And that bridge period was three and 20, whatever the hell it was to start. And now you're starting to see what happens when the younger players are getting their feet wet and they've played 60 games or had 10, 12, 15 starts, whatever, um, and settle into what it takes to be a big leaguer. And when you get that and you get some of the pieces that are starting to come back, um it has the makings of a club that at least begins to have an identity it's not enough they gave away too much of it and never reinvested in enough of it but you're starting to see why i guess they wanted to turn things over it just was so abrupt that there was no transition period in there and um so yeah it's fun to be able to watch the the younger guys get those opportunities and start to begin to play well as well funny to get the chance to watch some of the guys who hadn't had opportunities to really play every day for other teams also that are getting bigger chances because of all of the turmoil and turnover with the Reds and seeing some of those guys take off also. Um, so yeah. you know, if you can ignore the standings, which you have to, uh, and just watch game for game, we've reached the point of the season where this club can be competitive day in, day out. And that's the baseball that you watch to enjoy yourself. And, and you can't get too caught up in the fact that they've already put themselves out of any chance of going somewhere this season.
0: Right. Yeah. And if, if you're going to watch this point, you have to have some reason, reason for watching and, and uh, yeah, for us as Red fans, we're well, we're well practiced in the art of watching and not caring what the standings are because that's <laughs> been our life. What's again? I, I've said this a few times, but uh, I try to look at it in, in sort of a, a positive way, which you can't really. But, uh, but I'm going to try anyway. Um, you can see uh, if, again if you trusted the, the front office, uh, you know, which uh, there's no reason to, to trust front office. But if you did, you can see the makings of a the next good Reds team if they wanted to really. Uh, uh, you know, I don't use the term "all go all in," but if they really wanted to capitalize on some of the young talent they've got coming up, there is legit talent uh, that's here now and on its way and you know you can see we add a piece here and a piece there and all of a sudden you have a team that can compete whether they'll do it i don't know but for me uh you know hope uh hope springs eternal i guess and i can see those pieces you know we're talking about hunter green and nickel dole now you know graham ashcraft's come up and i don't know where he's going to end up being but the guy's got a live arm and a lot to like about him and then some of these we got a question later about some of the minor league guys that, that are on their way soon
1: i don't know um I'm, I'm deluding myself i know but but there are pieces there there are absolutely pieces there there's no denying that and uh if they could actually just be on the field together at the same time i i wrote something at some point uh a couple weeks back before it was even like beginning to get fun again to watch this club uh, about just how many times tyler stevenson and jonathan india had been on the field together when hunter green or nick lodolo was starting and it was like twice like all year you know and so if you're going to turn things over to the future being able to at least watch the future play together would be kind of cool and like that just hasn't happened and sure enough as we're starting to get jonathan into you back tyler stevenson freakly breaks how does a catcher break his thumb that's not the catching hand like you're literally catching hunter green through 138 miles an hour <laughs> and that hand hurt, hurt. it's a foul tip that catches the other one out there i you know it's, it's those kind of things that make me wonder when the reds are ever going to get it right and get the luck that they need, that all the good teams out there need. But uh, no, it's, it's undeniable that they do have some pieces. And not to give the front office credit, because that's not what I'm doing here. Uh oh. But to walk myself into the shoes that they have and the moves that they made, uh, what? It's, it's it's Moose and, and Vado. They're the only on tracks on the books for what? For next year, technically. Um basically yeah yeah Uh that's that's pretty much it and so if they're getting all that money out of here um and they try to trade or cash in on one of Mali and castillo then suddenly you're talking about a team that's got a core of five or six good young players that are all pre arb players that you want to build around and then you've got all the money in the world to go augment them with free agents which you got to trust that this team owner in the front office are going to be willing and able to do that. And that's the the big wild card in this whole scenario here. But if that's what they've set themselves up for, um, I I hate it because I've been waiting for all of this for five cycles in a row now and it's never panned out, but I get that that's what they've planned on trying to do. And at least it looks like some of the younger pieces that they found and identified as being the ones they want to build around. We haven't talked about Jose Barrero yet either. um, There are some good ones there. I'll give them credit for that.
0: Yeah, there's a path. There's a path to a competitive franchise, but uh, you do have to have a little bit of faith. And and that that's the clip we're going to pull out for social media is Wick defending the front. Yeah, I the this episode. Oh, Wick what have I done to myself? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. So uh, in the last week, let's talk a little bit about what happened since uh, since the previous uh, po- podcast. Uh, the Reds, of course, uh, split a series at home with the uh, with the Diamondbacks, and then went on the road, lost two of three in kind of a uh, brutal fashion to uh, the Cardinals. And then of course, one, two of three and in what should have been a sweep at Arizona. So the rest broke even since last week. Um, interesting things that actually happened. I want to talk about a couple of these starters that, that you already mentioned Hunter green. Can we just uh, spend a moment kind of uh reveling over the fact that Hunter green was named the nationally player of the week, uh, 12 innings over two starts allowed three hits in those two starts, walked two batters and struck out 15. I mean, opponents had an 079 batting average against them. I, you know, I feel like I, I'm using hyperbole every time I talk about Hunter Green. And I constantly get people dropping my mentions talking about what is his ERA. And let's, let's see, what is his ERA at this point? 5.10? So five, five,
1: 5.10. So 5.10. I did my he's, homework he's, over, he's, over
0: here. He's the most t- talented pitcher. I've ever seen in a red uniform. I just, um, I'm blown away by what he's done. I am completely overwhelmed.
1: He's throwing 104, 105 miles an hour on a rebuilt elbow. Uh, He's 22 years old. And as I think I mentioned the last time I was on here, he and Matt McLean were born on the exact same day, Matt McLean in A, striking out 30% of the time, Hunter Green on the big league mound winning player of the week awards. Um, All of that. And he got that award and had that success because of his slider, which wasn't even a pitch that he really had until post-Tommy John uh, surgery and recovery. So to see that it's not just, oh, this kid's a one-trick pony who figured out how to throw the ball 105 miles an hour, but he's getting better as a pitcher and working his way through this and noticing that fastballs work at big league level if you can keep the hitter from knowing when it's coming. Um, and when you've got a good one and you've got a good secondary pitch, suddenly they're up there guessing and when they're guessing you're winning and that's what he's done. And that's it's tremendous to think about that for any pitcher at any level. Um, and the fact that he's doing it at age 22, this briefly into his young career, um, it's, it's tremendous. And I agree. He's, he's got all of the arm talent in the world, but that aside, it's more impressive to me to watch him Learn how to attack better and better and better every single way out there, and you know we 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 we've, we've talked about the uh, uh, the actual pitcher himself as we should, um, but the fact that Derek Johnson is getting a chance to work with him, the fact, and we'll talk about Tyler Mally here in a minute as well, but the fact that what Mally said about working with uh, Aramis Garcia and how well he called his brilliant game out there, we talked about Tyler Stevenson developing as this this young catcher of the future. um, It really does seem like there's a very good uh, uh, support system in place for green to develop the way that he is. And who knows, maybe the fact that everything fell apart completely for the entire team to start the season is kind of hit a reset button and made it a little bit of a lower stress environment. That's a great way to learn. And he's taking advantage of it. Um, But it's undeniable that every single time I'm going out of my way to watch the Cincinnati Reds play baseball, it's when he's on the mound every fifth day at this point.
0: I, you know, I feel like I I repeat myself on this, but it's the thing that amazes me the most about this. Not not his talent, not just that fastball, but how he has been able to kind of kind of shift the strategy and learn. And we're watching him in real time learn how to be a a, a major league uh, an elite major league pitcher. You yeah. know, he's uh, uh, he's switched up his his pitch usage. He's um, he's been using his fastball. Best fastball makes it compatible. He's using it less. Um, he's, you know, a couple different looks of that slider. Um, he's not throwing a changeup to a, a single right handed batter all season, but uh, still finding success despite that. It's just watching him, it's, it's like in real time watching his, uh, you know, I'm playing, it will be the show or something, and his ratings are going up after every game. You know, it's, it's and amazing. He's, to me. And he's,
1: he's, I don't think I've watched him nibble once. Right. He's given up home runs. He led the national league and home runs allowed to like his first six starts or whatever, but he's not nibbling. He's attacking every hitter. And I think the fact that he realized that he wanted to attack every hitter and couldn't just do it with a fastball because they were crushing it. That's helped this slider come in. Cause it's not like, Oh, well, I'm going to keep throwing the fastball. I'm just going to try to eke over three inches and try to put it on the outside of the zone and see if they'll chase. No, he's attacking them with a different pitch and he's staying on the front foot. And that's, that's a mentality thing. And like, you can have all the arm talent in the world, but if you don't have that concept of how to use it, uh, he's got it. And it's, it's yeah. been, it's been super, super cool. No mm-hmm. doubt about it.
0: Well, you mentioned Matt McClain, and you know, McLean's the uh, UCLA shortstop reds drafted in the first round in, uh, 2021. And, uh, he's in double a right now. He's at double a uh, Chattanooga. And yeah, it, you know, I don't know. Struggle is not really the right word, but uh, not hitting as well as he did at the lower levels. But he's just fine. He's in he's in double A. Uh, you know, he at age 22, and that he he can still be a really good major league player. I, I'm still high. I, there are there are issues he has to work through. I'm still really high on Matt McLean. That's the difference between the all star level talents. And a guy that can, and Matt McKind could be still an all-star, but in uh, elite talent is Hunter Green's doing this on the big league level at the same age. And I, I just can't stress enough how much more impressive it is that he's doing this now rather than age 25 in a couple of years. Um, because by the time he's 25, it's presuming health, and we can't presume health, but we're talking about uh, you know uh, just one of the best pitchers uh, in the big league. He shows he shows all. It may not happen. It's a long way to go. We get there, but he's showing all the markers of a guy that can be a just sort of, you know, one of the the, the uh, Justin Verlander's the guy I keep mentioning. These these guys that throw hard and throw hard for many many innings, but um, there's no reason he can't be one of those uh, inner circle pitchers.
1: That would be. Uh, I would I would settle for Justin Verlander. Yep, that would do. Settle. I would, settle. Uh, I would take that ten times out of out of out of five. Yes. Um. Yeah. You know. I mean, with McLean, it's you know if he's if he's at Cozart, he's an All Star and a 15 win player for a club at a key cog at a key position, and that'd be Tremendous as well. I would take that. You could you start a very good club with Justin Verlander and Zach Kozart coming up at the same time together. Um, I would would take that every single opportunity I had. No doubt about it.
0: There you go. All right, so the other pitcher, and you, you briefly mentioned, but the other pitcher we have to mention is um, is Tyler Malley. Obviously, Tyler Malley, kind of a rough start to the season, but my goodness, um, against the Diamondbacks, Malley throws nine shutout innings and um, and, and didn't get the win. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, because these these are the Reds. The Reds did end, end up winning that game, I guess, but uh, in in the twelfth inning. But how good was Tyler Malley? And uh, are we are we just seeing him increase his trade value, or uh, you know, I want to see him stick around. I, I I said it last week. I, but I you know I, I understand you have things you have to do, but he's a guy that I just I, I I love him almost unconditionally, and I love when he is getting guys out because he he just the guy just knows what he's doing out there, and he's fun to watch, and he's still a kid. You know, he's still, he's still uh, just 27 years old. Uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess the second question is, what do we do with Tyler Malley? Is he, is he trade bait? But first of all, but the first part of it is how much fun has he been to watch recently that he's finally gotten it together?
1: Yeah. So um, I I spent much of the afternoon watching the U S open today. So pardon the, uh, the over golf analysis here, but Malley is one of those guys where I look up and um, he would never be a world number one, but he turns 29 or something like that. And he's like already won three majors. You know, because like on his day, he's better than anybody else out there. And he'll have his flops and have his periods where he's not pitching well at all. And it's not that every single day you go out there and watch him, he's the best player you've ever seen. But there's just something about when he's locked in where it's just it's the he's got the most repeatable motion of anybody in the rotation. And perhaps anybody I've seen pitch for the Reds in a while. It's a very compact short arm motion straightforward and when he's got it and when it's working incredibly repeatable and incredibly effective and when his velocity is right and he's hitting spots he can be that good like he that there was nothing about what he did against arizona that's surprising he's had it at times before but uh it was tremendous it was an absolutely tremendous start and you know we start talking about what to do with tyler malley he's two full years younger than Luis castillo despite the fact that they've got the same amount of time left uh under team control and for a team that obviously has been unwilling to commit money to anybody the idea of extending one of them at this point because heck the reds haven't even extended anybody in the last two years the way that they used to um the idea of extending one of them makes a lot of sense and um you know we, we know what you can get with Luis castillo and he's shown it over the last five or six starts also um, if you're going to sign one, and this is a big if, we're talking big nebulous ifs here with the Cincinnati Reds, you won't sign anybody for anything. Um, there's a part of me that says Tyler Malley is the one that you want to go out and sign because he's a little bit younger and that delivery just, it just jumps off the page at you. And, you know, obviously he's got his home road splits, which would have been a very big problem. Uh, he's not necessarily a ground ball pitcher at all. Um, so two things that Luis Castillo kind of has on him Castillo would obviously be a lot more expensive to kind of sign, I think, at this point in time. But I would love to see some continuity with where the Reds are and with what Derek Johnson has done and hopefully will continue to do as his promoted director of pitching. I think is that guy where you look up and say if we can get him for you know six years. And it takes 90 hundred million bucks. Like that's what you do, and you build around the known quantity of Tyler Valley at the top of your rotation. And uh, you know. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if the Reds are going to do that. It, it makes sense from a baseball perspective, but the Reds don't make sense from a baseball perspective. So, <laughs> so I don't know anymore. But that's that. That's what I would be pursuing right now if I was if I was the Reds. And and I say that acknowledging that that means that I just talked myself into saying you have to trade Luis Castillo because I don't foresee them keeping both of these guys. Right. And that's a very tough pill to swallow. But I do think that mally has got enough talent to warrant it. I really do.
0: Well, I agree. the The other side of the coin uh, to Castillo being be more expensive to sign is that Castillo likely would bring more uh, in uh, in a trade package as well. And so, I mean, you can, again, I, I love Luis Castillo unconditionally. I, I just he's another guy. He's appointment viewing for me. I love watching him pitch, and already an all-star, and already you know when he's. Uh, when he's at his best, he's as good a pitcher as, as we've uh, seen in a red uniform. Um, I don't expect both of those guys to be around after the trade deadline. Again, do we trust Nick Crawl to, to get the job done? I don't have a lot of evidence that he. Again, we're not going to talk about Nick Crawl. I, I, I tried to make a rule uh, a couple of weeks ago. We don't mention Nick Crawl ever again because it just brings me down. But um, I don't expect both those guys to go. And I, and I, I do think Castillo is more, much more likely to be traded i i don't see the reds i don't see the red signing i don't see the reds handing out contracts to anybody yeah <laughs> in, I mean, that's, in the next 12 months
1: yeah i don't i don't it's it's really hard to wrap my head around it because it's just something that that the tampa bay rays do you know sure. um and if the reds aren't going to do that just trying to trying to see a how that business model is going to work and b how they're ever going to win when I mean you can you can do that but you got to produce seven new good players every year you can't produce two new players every year and not spend money and then just make it work with a brand injury here and a matt reynolds here for as good as both of those guys have been i mean even even you look at how those those guys came to the reds they were the fourth and fifth options you know like it took barrero getting hurt and uh, uh donovan solano getting hurt and max schrock getting hurt before drew even got signed And before Matt Reynolds even got brought in. So even if you luck out on some of those guys, it's not even like they identified them as their big offseason targets and brought them in first and it worked out. Um, You know, you got to have six new players every year come in and be good from your minor league system to not sign anybody long term. And um, the Reds are producing two or three. And, then, then you kind of run into that wiggle room where you don't know how to, to, to make them connect and to add up. And that's where I'm, you know, we're in the the waiting period of that, obviously, because it's the uh, the second full season that the Reds have gone into no spin mode. Um, I don't know if they'll change course or not. And if they don't, I don't know how you bridge that gap, but it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And it might be that you trade both Tyler Malley and Luis Castillo this summer and, bringing in four or five other guys that hopefully will be close to being big leaguers and and that's what they're going to do but um I, I it's a business model that i've not read about it's not what the reds or any other baseball team have really done for the last 10 12 years um, but it's going to be fascinating to watch because worst case scenario if they're gone they're two very good very talented pitchers that should bring new stuff back into the red system
0: yeah, yeah. You know, uh, two things, here Quickly. Number one, I'm not sure which beat writer it's going to be, but but one of the beat writers is going to write a piece at some point here in the next uh, month or so about how Nick Crawl is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers because he brought in Brandon Drury and he brought in Matt Reynolds and he identified those guys and he, you know, when it turned, no, no, they were, you know, they were, uh, you know, four, third, fourth, fifth options and and they've worked out and I'm. Ex- I'm, especially Drury, I love watching that guy. Well, both those guys, love watching that yeah. guy. No issues with how they produce so far, but let's not pretend like it wasn't just uh, some some measure of luck. Um, and there was a second thing I was going to talk about, and I, I don't know what it is.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> It'll come to you. It'll come to you. <laughs> no, hey, for, for, for as good as those infielders have been, let's just ignore the outfield altogether for uh, for what they've done um, exactly so far this year.
0: The other, the other thing I was going to say was. We're talking about if the Reds are planning to do this and if the Reds are planning to do that, and, and and part of the issue here is we don't really have any real sense as to what their actual plan is, if they even have an actual plan. I don't know. You know, one day it's we want to do what the what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing, but they don't. There's no, you know, there's no evidence that they're actually trying to follow that uh, whatever that strategy is, uh, you know, and and or that they have the ability to to do that. something they said one time. They mentioned the Tampa Bay Rays, but there's no evidence that I can see. Maybe maybe you disagree. That they are actually following some kind of plan like that, it looks it looks for all the world like they just cut 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 payroll and then oops fans are getting mad. Let's sign Tommy Pham. Let's trade for Mike Miner. It it seems like there's just no plan. We don't have to relitigate this. We talked about it all season long. But uh, if I thought they had a plan, you've laid out a pretty good strategy on this show today. If they this is their plan, this is where they want to go. That you, if you execute on that, um, it's completely doable given what they have already in house. I just uh, forgive me, I don't have faith.
1: Yeah, you know, if their plan is to be 20 games under 500 and have six or seven thousand fans in the stand every home game, mission accomplished. You know, <laughs> we found that.
0: Do you think that that's going to convince the Castellanis, uh, the the bad press early in the season, and the fact that people aren't coming to the game? Do you think that's going to change anything?
1: No, I don't. I don't think it's going to change anything. If anything, I think uh, interest rate hikes and a looming recession might might change things, but I don't think anything could happen to start the season from a, from a baseball and a baseball fan and a baseball city relationship. I don't think it's going to change a thing. No, I don't. Somebody, uh, uh,
0: uh, there was a fire at the Castellani factory there. What was that? Did you see that? Uh, I didn't know. A couple of days ago, there was some kind of a big, I don't know, a, a truck caught fire and then I didn't read the full story and then drove into the factory, a big fire at some Castellani factory. And I don't appreciate those on Twitter that accused me of, uh, engineering this. I had nothing I was, to do with it.
1: I was going to make a bullpen joke, but, uh, <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah. The bullpen, uh, <laughs> the, the dumpster caught on fire in. Uh, at the, so anyway, whatever, um, yeah, we're trying to be happy and, and, and enjoy ourselves and talk about fun things. And, uh, you know, well, we keep veering off. So I'm sorry. So let's talk about something that is fun. It's not been fun most of the season, but I'm happy about it now. Jonathan India is back. Uh-huh. He returned along with uh, with Mike Moustakas. And um, Aristides Aquino was in the starting lineup. And then, I don't know, um, sometime between the lineup being set and the game starting, uh, he was on the injured list and they brought up back Jonathan India, uh, I, and I hate to lose Aristides Aquino because that guy has just been so awesome
1: all season. Jonathan India's back. That's fun. <laughs> it is fun. I mean, it's tremendously fun. Like the, he's the reason why there were even some, and I what's I, I, not not Pollyanna, maybe Pollyanna, but even even people who I trust their their analytical opinions about, um, who said that there was a chance that even after all the mess that happened over the winter that this red club could still surprise some people i think it's everybody who thought that tyler stevenson was going to be as good as he showed and that jonathan indy would be perhaps the most dynamic leadoff hitter in the national league this year and um i'm still a big jonathan India believer i i i 100 am and it's been terribly frustrating to just not have him around because you know much like Uh, This is, this is me dating myself as a Reds fan again, but much like in the dark days of uh, the late aughts uh, Joey Votto is this young guy who popped up and looked like that he was going to be the best player at a pitcher hitter combination. Every single time he stepped in the batter's box. And a lot of what I see with India is that he's just not going to make outs. Uh, He's willing to wait for you to throw him a good pitch. And when you throw him a good pitch, he's got a pretty good chance of knocking the crap out of it. And he can play good defense at second base i think he's got elite second base defense abilities uh and he's a great base runner i mean that's a five win player that might luck into a seven win season at some point so um yeah he's he's tuned in must watch television for the cincinnati reds lineups so it'll lose him, even in a rebuilding season losing him is uh, he i would have tuned in to watch him back yeah. four times a night and yeah getting it back I think it's a kind of jolt of energy that's going to make once again If you can ignore the standings and just watch game to game can make this lineup and make this team a lot more fun and enjoyable uh for the rest of the summer nothing about it
0: yeah the Reds I mean certainly the Reds have been unlucky with the injuries uh they had more injuries than anyone in baseball up to this point and of course they were the team that was least uh capable of withstanding injuries because they uh, they were very poorly, a very poorly constructed roster. No depth, and so they couldn't afford it. In any, in at uh, uh, any rate, but uh, like you said, you could squint your eyes and kind of see a team with Tyler Stevens. And Tyler Stevens has been, when he's been healthy, exactly what we all said. I think Tyler Stevens can be those of us that were big to- on, on Tyler Stevens. He was everything uh, that you could have asked for. Um, that guy's just been—he's—he's he's tremendous. Um, but you got—you have him, and you have Jonathan India, and you still got Joey Vado. And then you know, all of a sudden, you got 100 Green pitches some days, and you're thinking, "Oh, yeah, that's a can be a team with some some potential." And
1: yeah, it's farmer Kyle Farmer, the goat. Kyle,
0: Kyle Farmer.
1: What did I say? What did I say? Literally 13 times a couple times ago. If Kyle Farmer is like your sixth or seventh best hitter, you've got a really good ball club. So, yeah. he's Kyle Farmer is fine. Um, But yeah, you, you're right. Like you look up and you get into your back. You call Jose Barrero up and play him wherever you need to play him to. The whole Farmer-Barrero dynamic, whatever. Barrero's good enough. He can play anywhere else. Put him in center field if you need to. Play him at third. Rotate him in Farmer at third and short, whatever. That's an infield. That's a legitimate infield for a team that could win games every night. That's a legitimate infield. Um, the outfield's another story, um, which, which takes up uh, uh, one-third of the lineup every single night. Um, if you're playing Joey Votto at first base, that takes a DH to somebody else, which – that's four out of the nine spots in line of every night where you got a little bit of question marks going up and down. But um, the Reds have the makings of, once again, a, a good little young core coming up. And so I'm excited to see. You know, Burrow, I think he's in two of his last three games, and another one yesterday. Uh, didn't get called up when his injury uh, uh, IL stint, or his rehab stint, rather, uh, expired, but is hopefully going to be up sometime soon as well. Um it's got the makings of some 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 good some good stuff there. So uh, it's um, it's an exciting time to at least acknowledge that the Reds have found a good threesome foursome for uh, for the next couple of years. No doubt about it.
0: That was a good time. Uh, never a good time. I, I'm not looking forward to this conversation. But we've danced around the outfield a couple of times, and we've talked about this young core. And I think we we have to talk a little bit about my guy Nick Senzel. You know, just 27. Um, yep. And um, he's had a little bit of run. He's been hurt some this year, but yeah, but he's also in the lineup a good bit. He's got 150 plate appearances at this point, and just um, his numbers are, are just bad. That's all you can say. His OPS plus 44, you know, 211 batting error, 269 on base. Um, his defense is elite, uh, <laughs> incredible defender. I- I put him up with just about anyone out there, but I keep waiting for him to catch fire. And there is some, you know, some of the, the advanced, uh, the stat cast metrics. He's hitting the ball a lot harder in recent days and been unlucky maybe. But I don't know, you know, if, if Nixon Zell is the guy, and at this point we have to question whether he is, but he, if he's the guy that the day he debuted in the big leagues, based on his minor league performance, if he's the, the guy that we thought he was going to be, all of a sudden that's an incredible core. And you know, I keep waiting for it to happen. And I keep, <laughs> this is me being, uh, you know, wishful thinking because you can see glimpses sometimes, but also I'm not seeing the same guy that I saw early on Um as a I, hitter. Um, I don't know. Go ahead. Nixon's up.
1: his, his legs, despite the fact that he had that knee injury and whatnot last year and the sprained ankle years ago and the hamstring, his legs look fine. I still have no idea why it hasn't materialized into him being a better base stealer because I feel like he should be. And he just, he isn't for whatever reason and I, I don't get that but the defense I agree with you 100% you put him out in center field and he is not only not a liability he's a he's a plus defender out there and I think that's um you know who knows in the grand scheme of things how much moving him around in the infield to the outfield impacted all sorts of other things in his development but I understand at this point in time that they put him in center field and he can play center field very well I get here I am giving credit again I'm giving more credit but it, the shoulder injury he had, that's the one where I look up and wonder if it just if it just changed him enough. And obviously he went through the swing change midseason in 2020, I think it was, uh, before going back to his old swing. I wonder how much of the shoulder issue was part of that also. But he just doesn't look the same at the plate as he did. And I don't know if that's a confidence thing or if it's a fact that he's not hit as well as he once did. And so he's tried to tweak too many things and now he's got too much going on or whatever but he just doesn't look the same as the guy who when he came through the minor leagues was hitting 310 330 and and looked the part of a guy who was just going to smoke doubles all over the ballpark and um yeah it's frustrating it's certainly certainly frustrating but you know the the one thing of all the things that you can try to look forward to with 100 games ish left in a red season that they're obviously not going anywhere If he can stay healthy and get four plate appearances a night and finally get to 500, 550 plate appearances this year and get the opportunity, at least for himself, to figure out what he needs to work on and get that experience of playing more than three days in a row before you hurt something, you have to sit for three days. We'll find out a lot about him. He'll find out a lot about him. And I think the Reds will find out a lot about him because I think there's still a whole lot of unknown there because it just hasn't come in – any sort of long enough stretch to where anybody would ever get comfortable in the batter's box. And, and that's been imminently frustrating. I'm sure it's been frustrating for him. You know, it's not been, yeah. not been freak injury stuff. It's been surgeries. It's been shoulder surgeries and knee surgeries and vertigo and COVID and everything else. So um, hopefully if nothing else goes right for the Reds this year, I hope they get enough out of him to where you can see that he's an everyday baseball player again and build off it going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you talk about the swing change, and it was a swing change that was forced upon him by the Reds, and he's really mm-hmm. just kind of not looked the same uh, since then. And then some of that's injuries. I'm like you. If he could just get 500 plate appearances, just let's see him have a healthy stretch the rest of the way and see what we have. That's the one thing that could uh, – uh, we talked about this core. If he could just show some glimpses. Yeah. really uh, yeah. It, it kind of changes the next few years what the Reds have here. But I look at him. He's got, you know, again, I said 150 plate appearances – and he has five extra base hits. I mean, this is just—you know—he was, was a doubles machine at, at times in the in the minors, and he showed every marker of being a guy that was going to be incredible. So I don't know—I don't know what the issue is. I'm not smart enough to know. There's lots of things I'm not smart enough to know, but uh, please just let him be healthy the rest of the way, and uh, and let's see what we have. And then going into next year, I'll, is is center field all of a sudden a strength or at least not a liability? Because right now I look at his numbers and I see a guy that's a good defender and I'm thinking Billy Hamilton and I love Billy yeah. Hamilton. But, you know, um, Billy Hamilton was somewhat useful. But, of course, he can't run bases and it's like Billy Hamilton. No one can run bases like Billy yeah. Hamilton. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I want to see and I just hope for some health and maybe he'll turn that corner, but I'm not going to bet the ranch on it.
1: And that's – I will give David Bell some credit, though. Um, here I am giving credit again. Um, <laughs> He's putting Nixon's out there every day. And until then he got back, he was hitting lead off for the five, whatever OPS. Um, he's given him those opportunities and he's saying, I'm not looking at the numbers. I don't care about that. It might cost us a win because he goes over four with two strikeouts, whatever. I don't care. He needs reps. He needs the confidence. He needs knowing that we've got his back and this is his opportunity to go out there and figure it out. So he's getting that chance. If he stays healthy, he's going to get that chance. And at 27, it's not young anymore. It's definitely not young anymore. Tyler Malley's 27 and we're talking about his free agency and trading him. Right. Um, but it's not the end of the road by any means. You've seen that with Brandon Drury. You've seen it with Matt Reynolds. There's uh, other Josh Donaldson was terrible until he was 26 years old. There's other examples out there of guys who just take a little while to figure it out, whether it's injury or whatever position changes. Um, I, I at least give the Reds uh, some dap for saying we're going to stick with him at least for now and give him the opportunity to show us what he's capable of doing if he can stay on the field. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they planned it that way or not, but the fact that they're not playing for the postseason means you can do that, and that's what they're getting the chance to do right now.
0: I need you to go on uh, Twitter right now and post. uh, I apologize. Uh, You do not, under any circumstances, have to give David Bell – Credit. You've <laughs> <laughs> seen that one. Uh yeah. You, know. uh, you don't have oh, to hand God. it to You don't have to hand it to him.
1: You do not <laughs> have to hand it to him, <laughs> to him under any circumstances. <laughs> no, you know,
0: um, this actually as bad as things have gone for Nixon Zell. And again, we're not talking about Brandon Lawrence. We're talking about a guy that has a legit pedigree, you know. That, mm-hmm. that you know, we're not talking about Paul Householder here for the for the older generation. We're talking about a guy that was uh legit, I mean, he was one of the top prospects in all of baseball uh when he when he debuted and the Reds uh, played games with him. But as bad as it's been for Nick Cenzel since he got to the Reds in so many ways, service time games and the injuries and everything, there's actually probably not a better spot for him in all of baseball for this year than the Cincinnati Reds because this outfield's bad. He has to yeah. play. And so hes if he's healthy, he will be in the lineup pretty much every day the rest of the way. And so, um, you know, it, this is his opportunity. You're right, he's not young. 27 is not young. Uh, for for a guy, it, it's it's. I said it was young, early for Tyler Mally, but Tyler Mallet's got it has shown success at the big league level. For a guy that's not showing any success, it's a time when you start thinking well, this guy's not going to be a big leaguer. And so,
1: it's but a- you don't you don't have to look too much further than Nixon's on the outfield though to see that Tyler Naquin, former first round draft pick, just couldn't stay healthy, couldn't work on it well enough in Cleveland. Came to Cincinnati, they gave him the chance, and when he's healthy, he's produced. Albert Almora, same situation, first round pick, came up, looked good. The more playing time he got. Didn't look quite as good, had some injuries, whatever. But you look at him now, and, you know, I don't think the path that he's shown so far this year is really going to stick around. But you know he's got two definitive big league caliber skills, and that's going to keep him employed in the big leagues for a while. If he gets more opportunities at the plate, which the Reds are giving him, maybe he'll evolve into something. So two guys that are very much on the same arc that Senzel has put himself on that have found ways to be legitimate big league contributors and, and, and be good baseball players. And, um, you know, they're not the kind of <laughs> – the Kyle Farmer, Kyle Farmer argument, where if Tyler Naquin and Alberto Bore are your fifth or sixth best players, you're not going anywhere. But if they're on your roster, you can still be a very good team. Nixon's already at that point because his defense and his base running, not his base stealing, but his base running are good enough right. legitimate skills. If he can just find a way to stay healthy enough to get the bat to come around, um, he's got the ability to be more than that for sure. And, it's, um, yeah, I agree with you. It's a, it's a good spot for all of those guys this year to be in. Um, if they could just all stay healthy and, and get the opportunity to do it together, that'd be super, super cool too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? It'd be, It'd be yeah. fun,
0: yeah. If Sinzo could just get the, you know, he's demonstrated on base uh, skills his entire career. If he just mm-hmm. get on base at a decent clip and play good defense, and that, that's a guy that's useful in the big leagues, he may not be the superstar that we were hoping when he first got here, but that doesn't mean he can't be a useful big and can have an actual career, yeah. um, on, on, on a real big league team <laughs> at some point. Um, imagine that. Right. <laughs> yeah i know right so oh, other news for the week um nick lodolo out on a uh, on a rehab assignment that's that's something i guess uh hurry back Ladolo is another guy that you know um injuries 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 when i when he's been on the mound though uh he's looked like a rookie pitcher but he's also looked like a guy that can be a guy mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that's real analysis right there he, he's a guy that can, can be a guy but you know what i mean
1: yeah, no, he's got great stuff for sure, and you know, part of me not to not to accuse the people running the Reds of uh, the chicanery or anything, but he's had so few innings on his arm uh, the last couple of years with no 2020 and what 50 innings total in 2021 uh, with blisters and, and the like. You almost wonder if they're just being very kid glovesy with him because they were like, "You're going to throw 100 innings this year if everything goes right, and that's it." Um, and with as many rookie pitchers as the Reds have in the starting lineup or the regular rotation right now. They're going to get cut off at some point soon. Somebody's going to have to pitch in August, September. Maybe Ladola is just on track to say, look, treat your back a little bit, rest up. We'll get you ready, and you're going to have a lot of starts down the stretch when some other guys might be shut down, and I hope that's all this is because it's it's a mysterious lower back issue, and that could mean a lot of things, but I am hoping it just means hit the pause button a little bit and come back and show us what you've got later on down the road because we're going to need that from somebody somewhere somehow.
0: Yeah, no, and I, you know what we took you, you mentioned the word chicanery, which I encourage. You should use the word chicanery as often and shenanigans as often as you want on this show. It's it's encouraged, but I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, he 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 wasn't going to pitch the entire season anyway. Uh, be cautious with him. He's a he's a real asset. You need him in, two years from now. You need him pitching the full season. You know, sure. right now it's uh, not necessarily. So I don't have any issues with it, but glad to see he's back on a rehab assignment. Um, before we get to some questions, uh, there's one last thing that we really kind of need to talk about. We don't want to, but we have to talk about this bullpen. <laughs> this bullpen, uh, you know, last year we laughed about the bullpen. We didn't laugh; we cried about the bullpen all season long. It was, uh, it was the probably the difference, frankly. If you, I mean, there are a lot of things that that you could point to, but probably the difference between the Reds being a playoff caliber team and not—they just gave away yeah. way too many games out of the bullpen, and uh, so. Um, so Nick crawl went out, and he just uh, completely overhauled the bullpen and brought in a bunch of new guys. And, oh, yeah, they are the worst bullpen in the majors. Uh, still, highest earned run average of any bullpen in the majors at 5.15. That's not going to get it done. Uh, you know, it's just uh, – again, I'm not going to go into any more of the analytics of it other than to say that you see it yourself. There are some guys that are – you know, I love Alexis Diaz. I'm, I'm all in on Alexis yeah. Diaz. Um, Jeffrey Hoffman has all of a sudden become somewhat <laughs> dependable out of nowhere. Jeffrey, don't call me Jeff Hoffman. Uh, but this bullpen is just a disaster day in and day out. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what really, I, that's probably all that needs to be said. But I'm going to ask you to say even more words about this disastrous bullpen.
1: Uh, so a couple minutes ago when I was talking about making a bullpen joke, when you talked about a truck catching fire, Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's been terrible uh, You know, as much as the injuries have impacted so much of the rest of the roster. Has not really impacted the bullpen so much? It's just been underperformance, you know, like Justin Wilson obviously is, is out and that's frustrating, but he was profiled to be the the lefty and no much more than that. So it's not like you can even pin a whole lot of that on him. It's just been a bunch of guys that were in-house guys that got here and pitched in AAA and looked like they had some live arms and the front office just said they're cheap. Throw them all up in the big bullpen and see what happens. And, and it hadn't worked. You know, Ryan Hendricks didn't work. Art Warren's not working. Uh, Dari Moretta didn't really work. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of guys that just were unproven guys uh, that were thrust right into being leverage guys. And it's not really worked whatsoever. Um, uh, shout out to TJ Antone. I should mention him as being a, a, an unfortunate injury part of this particular bullpen that hopefully he will be back and good to go next year. But um, yeah, aside, once you lost him and there was no backfill in the off season, except Hunter Strickland, who's been a, a journeyman on one year deals everywhere he's been for the last 10 years. Um, it's hard to really expect them to be a whole lot better than they've been, to be honest. And that's the, that's the frustrating part is that I watch these bullpen b- disasters and I'm like, I didn't think he was going to be good. Before he showed me he wasn't very good. So it's not even that disappointing. It's just, it just, it's, it was the writing was on the wall and now we're, we're still writing on the wall. And that's, uh, you know, it's frustrating, but you look up at what happened in St. Louis and, um, you know, it's, it, it, I didn't even walk away from that game feeling disappointed. I was like, Hunter Green was excellent. I didn't care about the final score because I can't care about final scores anymore. So the, the way in which it was lost wasn't even that unfortunate to because I was like, man, y'all, y'all DFA Joel Kudel. Two years ago and now you're asking him to pitch the ninth. Like what do you expect? Right. Like nobody claimed him, you know, and he's back in. And I like Joe Cool, but like you can't have a pitch in the ninth inning of these games. Joel and, cool. and, yeah. And expect it to be better than what it is. So it's it's annoyingly frustrating. And it's the kind of thing that um, you know, I, I don't feel like it's gonna get addressed. They're not gonna go out and bring in some guys to make a better role for the rest of the year. So they're just gonna be a lot of these situations where in the few games the Reds have a very good Spot to be in in the eighth inning, you're going to be sitting on pins and needles, A, wondering who the heck's going to be out there because there's it's hard to have a hierarchy when there's no established rules and there's right. no established success. So you don't know who they're going to turn to and you have no idea whether or not it's going to work. And that's that's a really, really kind of seat of your pants way to fly. Um, But it's also the way you're going to have to watch this Reds bullpen because that's just what that's what the options are at this point.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Anton. is the other guy who's not been healthy. Yeah, and has not really yeah. produced since uh, since the sticky stuff was uh, was taken away. But we don't know. I mean, you know, I, 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 he has some talent. So, but yeah, the rest of them are just. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned Art Warren, and Art Warren had you know he was had a 1.29 ERA last year, and uh, as it turns out, he did not figure it out at age 29. It doesn't uh, <laughs> that doesn't appear. Um, you know. Uh, Tony Santion, I still have a fairly high opinion of Tony Santion. He struggled uh, off and on. Alexis Diaz is legit. I, I think yeah. I, I have no, I, he's the one guy that I um, has been kind of a revelation. But the rest of these guys are just guys. They're just uh, journeymen. And I think the only, I think you hit on it, uh, Wick, the only way really to address these bullpen flame outs. Last year it was frustrating. Because the team was competitive. Last year, they could not afford to blow these games because they needed those games in the standings. This year, come on, whatever. Just like roll your eyes and say, they did it again. But Hunter Green pitched seven good innings. And, you know, uh, boy, uh, Tyler Stevenson looked great behind the play tonight. And it's the only way to follow this team, I think
1: there there are two ways to hide a very good bullpen or very bad bullpen rather uh one is to get seven innings or in Todd now this case nine innings out of your starter um the other case is to never score enough ones to have a lead and then you never have to have a bullpen come in to blow a game so um you know i prefer the former and folks, right, we've yeah. gotten some of that over the last uh last couple weeks but uh for a while there there were, there were a lot of bullpen implosions this year last year we they were we were excited about the team. The team had the lead. And all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. And you're like, ah, this year they don't have enough leads to really get frustrated about. It. So it's, uh, you know, it's the 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 way the bullpen was addressed. If you look at everything that the Reds did this entire winter, the biggest giveaway that they cared not about this entire season was the fact that they did nothing for the bullpen whatsoever. Yeah. And I don't know. It's, it is what it is. You can't really they- get too frustrated about it, you know? Right. They, it's just new guys. It's just different names, but they didn't
0: really didn't really address the the issues. Now I got a, a trivia or not a trivia question, but pop quiz for you. Rick. This is the most unfair pop quiz we've ever had here. So oh I'm god, ahead of time, but I'm going to give you a stat line of a major league baseball relief pitcher. Okay, he's, he's thrown in 24 games already this season. He's four and and0 with a 1.37 ERA. His ERA plus, if you, if you care about that number for relievers, which is kind of, it really is for Nick's reliever, but his ERA plus is 294. Um, struck out, uh, basically a batter in inning out of the bullpen and has been dominant lights out. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? I'll narrow so it down I'm, and give you a team if you, if, if you don't have any ideas.
1: I'm, I'm running through all of the uh, former Reds relievers that have been cast aside and sign with other teams for very, very low fees or traded away. Like this, the has right got, this has got Dylan Floro written all over it, but I don't think it's Dylan Floro. No, I, um, yeah. It's That's probably not, cool. it's probably not Tanner Rainey. Cause I know he's walked enough guys where it can't be 1.37 at this point. Who am I missing? That's not Matt Whistler. <laughs> all right, here, here's here's your hint. He pitched for the Reds
0: last year in the bullpen. Through an almost equal number of, uh, he he had twenty five games for the Reds last year with a six point three eight ERA in last year's disastrous bullpen. Next, so true, the- next. Uh, I'll give you one more hand if you want it. This is not going to really help you,
1: maybe, but he's twenty six years old. No oh god, um, just tell me. I'm not going to get it, and it's going to kick me in the, the shins when they tell me. <laughs> Cnl Perez, remember that guy? Oh yeah, with Baltimore. Yeah,
0: with Baltimore. Yeah, he's been basically that's out for Baltimore the Baltimore the Baltimore Orioles
1: have a much better record than the Cincinnati Reds this year too yeah oh I forgot about you that's right you just you just said something
0: that I don't think I ever want to hear the Baltimore Orioles have a much better record than the Cincinnati Reds because that's one of at the least, few organizations that's run uh, even worse than the Reds
1: but at least that family is infighting about trying to get control of the team so at least yeah. somebody there is like this can't happen anymore we got to take charge so that's uh that's admirable but C
0: N L yeah. perez dare, yes dare to dream that uh, we have something like that in cincinnati but uh yeah i don't know cnl perez was a disaster <laughs> last year c and l when he's on the mound you see an l you yes yeah so all right anyway uh let's we got a few not not many but a few uh, viewer mail questions that um let's go ahead and dive into those if you're okay yeah that, uh, wick these viewer mail questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontsensi. by the way If you're not subscribed at, uh, at Patreon, first of all, go do it because you need to give me all your dollars. (laughs) I'm not supposed to say that out loud. Oh man. Um, you're supposed
1: to get all of your dollars. There we go.
0: (laughs) No, you know, we got, we're doing series recaps, uh, just for the Patreon crowd, uh, after every series. And I know you want to relive every single one of these series. So why wouldn't you want to spend 10 minutes with us, uh, uh, recapping a series? Uh, we do, you know, at least once a month, we're doing a hangout with, uh, patreon uh, during a game we'll watch a game together and uh, it's been fun so whatever come join us but the best part is you could ask dumb viewer mail questions speaking of dumb viewer mail questions no one is better at asking dumb viewer mail questions than our buddy joe farsing this is actually a pretty good one uh for him from him for him anyway joe asks what current reds position players prospect nice alliteration a eh? reds position players prospect are you guys most excited about it? Ellie de la Cruz is the obvious and, and Matt McClain is the closest, but I'm a fan of Jay Allen loaded with athleticism, three sports star in high school, manageable K rate, great walk rate. He's young, but I can see him moving up faster than most. So we talked a little bit about, and I'll go ahead and, and, and talk a little bit. And then uh, you can, you can answer that question if, if you want to wait. But uh, I think those are the three to me in terms of position players, Ellie de la Cruz. Matt McClain, Jay Allen, Matt McClain. Again, we mentioned him earlier. He's uh, you know, he's got to get his, uh, his strikeout rate under control. Um, but what I like about McClain is he's getting on base. He's walking. I mean, he's, he has some, he has some tools and uh, I like McLean. but I need to see a little bit more at him now that he's finally at, uh, at double A this season. Uh, Jay Allen, we haven't talked about him much here on uh, on the show. Jay Allen of course was the, uh, Drafted by the Reds, 30th overall in 2021 uh, out of high school. And he is right now at low A. Um, and he's, uh, you know, not hitting great so far through 50 games at Daytona. But this guy is, uh, I agree. He'll he, walk. <laughs> serious, serious, serious walk tool. I mean, this guy gets on base. And he evidently has some power that we're not seeing yet this year, but that uh, looks really good. Jay Allen's I mean, a really intriguing prospect, but he's so he's so young right now. you know. Uh, the guy's 19 years old. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, So I, I'm not sure quite what to make, make of him yet. My favorite, I, I, if you want to say Jay Allen, uh, Joe, I'm, I'm with you. I can deal with that, but man, I just love Ellie De La Cruz. I just absolutely adore L.A. De La Cruz, he's at, uh, at high A at Dayton right now and mashing the baseball, just absolutely mashing the baseball. Um, and, and light tower power, he has 12 home runs, six triples in 51 games. Uh, I mean, uh, he's the most exciting res prospect in some ways that I've seen in a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You have to acknowledge the fact, however, that his walk rate is low. He's striking out way, 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 way too much. Although, as our buddy Doug Gray said on uh, noted on on Twitter today, he's walked in the last four games. So maybe he's learned how to walk in the last four games. Of course, he had one walk in the 19 games as Doug before this stretch, but he's walked in four straight games. I don't know. Elliot De-, De La Cruz has some faults, uh, but my goodness, the light tower power and the athleticism, the speed, he's just he's the type of guy that makes me want to watch baseball. So um I like all those guys, but uh I don't think and maybe you have some other uh, some other uh, position player prospect that you want to mention, but those are the guys that I like.
1: Yeah, um careers is what stole like he stole at 18 bases already this year as well. Um it's crazy. Uh, high real plays a shortstop at 6'5. Like he's he's incredible, he's absolutely incredible. And yes, there's the chance that it just it falls apart in the upper minors and it doesn't ever get any further than this that doesn't do anything to diminish the fact that you should appreciate the heck out of what he's doing at his age at Dayton right now that Dayton club is stacked with talent and I say that because I'm a big Alan Serta guy um and he for all of the tools that Ellie has serta has got different ones um for sure he's not an infielder he's not a glove first guy He's got a good glove. He's got a great arm. He's got the ability to cover center field uh, admirably at this point, 22 years old, 383 on base percentage, uh, 35 walks in 52 games, I believe. Uh, and while he does have some swing and miss stuff and does have some, some low average whatnot, I don't think, I don't really treat him as a low contact guy. Uh, he's a very patient guy who loves getting into those make or break counts where he knows which pitch is coming that's going to be the make or break pitch. He loves those 3-2 counts, and he gets deep in accounts because of it. And as a result, he walks a lot. He does have some strikeouts, but it's not so many that I'm worried about it. And his power is match. Ab- absolutely real. It's so real. And so um, uh, the idea of uh, your classic power-hitting corner outfielder, especially given the frustrating aspects about the current – Reds outfield. I look up at him and I say, okay, man, if, if, if things break right for him um, I think he's got an opportunity to be a very, very, very good player. Um, he's the kind of guy where if you get a little bit of batted ball luck and suddenly his numbers just take off. And I think a lot more people would pay attention to him at that point in time. And his numbers are good right now. Don't get me wrong. He's slugging 490 and 3d on base percentage. And, and as I mentioned the ability to play great defensive outfield as well. that's the kind of prospect that I look up and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep watching him and pay attention to him going forward. So, um, yeah, that's – watch the Dayton Dragons. If you're in the Cincinnati area, you're frustrated with team ownership, whatever, I get that. Make that quick drive up to Dayton and go watch this team play because they are stacked and fun and electric. You know, they're not going to grind games out and win 2 nothing. They're going to put on a show up there, so go check them out.
0: Absolutely. The only guy that I, I might want to mention just because – I don't know. I, um, he's still so young. He's still at Daytona, but still so young that um, – I can hope is the Reds' uh, number one pick back in uh, what was it 2020? I think Austin Hendrick at, at a high school. You know, he literally just turned 21
1: yesterday. Uh, so, uh, but and he, and he got bumped up to Dayton though. He's up oh. in Dayton, like he's in that outfield with Allen Sertev behind L.A. Oh, he did get? Bu- You're that's,
0: right. He did get yeah. bumped up.
1: So, like that's that's what I'm talking about. Go to Dayton. Go to Dayton to watch that team play because that team is shock full of guys who have more talent than the entire rest of the Reds minor leagues combined. That's a club that is on their day is going to put on an absolute, absolute show.
0: Yeah, and, and if you like the long ball, some people like the long ball. Hendrix is right with those other guys, uh with serta and, and De La Cruz in it. terms yeah. of just light tower power. Yeah. So um all right, we need to have a uh Riverfront get together at uh, at Dayton. Um, yeah. Dayton's always a fun place to go watch a game but Certainly, uh, now. Good question, Joe. I'm surprised to actually say, good question by Joe. <laughs> um, another Joe, Joey Gaditza, resident Canadian here at the riverfront, says, "Hey guys, any of you uh, follow the CFL? If not, you sh- if not, you should. The CFL. I don't know what that is. That like a kind of a sports league? Is that what is, is that uh, the, I don't know what that is?
1: The Grey cup. <laughs> uh, cup.
0: The Grey R- Cup. Six teams named the Rough
1: Riders." uh yeah the calgary stampede um so i grew up a kentucky football fan uh and for the longest time none of of them none of them made it to the nfl but they all ended up in the cfl so uh that's where i got to follow some of the guys that i grew up with so yes there's a there's a calgary stampede and a Grey cup that's what Uh, i got (laughs) there you go um warren moon for, for people yeah. of my
0: generation, Warren Moon was a great NFL quarterback with Houston Oilers, who's got, got his start in the the, CF, the Canadian Football League, by the way. Um, Did you say Houston Oilers? What are those? Exactly. <laughs> I used to be a team. Sweet elements. I love the, the, that team. Um, the CFL. I know a guy that played in the CFL. I guess that's something. Um, he played the college football here in the States and got his chance in the CFL and played very briefly there. Oh, and his son played in the NBA. That's basketball this year, actually. So that's a different story. But um, that's all I know about the CFL. Sorry, Joey. Uh, I don't understand Canada. That's like a n- different country or something. I I don't really understand how that works,
1: except for the World Cup, apparently. So
0: yeah. Ah, there you go. Cincinnati didn't get a World Cup uh, hosting. Uh, so I didn't expect they would. You know, Cincinnati, but Denver, oh, didn't did, Denver did. Denver get one?
1: Nope. Kansas I'll City. It. It's as close as we got. Yeah. Speaking, speaking, of De- speaking of the Oilers, defunct franchises, I got my old Denver Bears shirt on here. The uh Sweet. the old old triple A uh, Denver baseball club that was uh defunct. I think they ended up moving to New Orleans and being the um uh, the Zephyrs, the New Orleans Zephyrs were originally the Denver Bears. So but
0: weren't they owned? Maybe I'm misremembering from my research. Weren't they owned by Bob housem at one point?
1: I think you're right. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, they were
0: general manager famed up Bob housem Yeah, yeah,
1: I think you're right. But yeah, that, that, that I'm actually, I'm like 97% sure
0: that's right, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. How come the uh, the Rockies, why, why aren't they just the Denver Bears? That would have been uh, much better.
1: I don't know. Right? <laughs> they um, wouldn't have been any better, but the name would have been better, yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. All right, so next question comes from our buddy, Woo the Reds. You know Woo the Reds uh, from Twitter, Woo. who refuses to let us know his uh, his real name. I've told him he can come on the show if he'll just uh, reveal his real name, and he won't do it. Um, Woo the Reds has a question I think was probably designed to uh, hit you in the sweet spot, Wick. This was, this was, this was a a Wick question. The question is, uh, involves five words. I thought five words, pizza, discuss in great detail.
1: So here's my thing. I think they should make it 10 strikeouts instead of 11 strikeouts because (laughs) LaRosa's really should be giving away pizza far more often than they are. And I'll, I'll give credit to the bullpen. Despite their struggles, they do strike guys out. Um, And it's been good for all parties involved if you're a big fan of – Whatever La Rosa's pizza is, which I haven't had in far too long now that I'm saying that. So, um, if you're in Denver, uh, Blue Pan Pizza, uh, Detroit style, just down the road from my house over on 12th and Madison, tremendous, nice, fluffy crust. Um, if you're more of the uh, the New York style, there's Enzo's in up on Colfax, tremendous pizza as well. Um, Atomic Cowboy and Fat Sully's have like the pies that are so big; they don't make the small pies. If you get a whole pie, it's just the, the one big one. You know, if you're you're catching a cab home from the bar at the end of that you got to put it in the trunk because you're not fitting in the back door that kind of pizza, um. Yeah, that's probably all the pizza talk I should get into right now. So.
0: <laughs> and if you follow Wick on Twitter, and as we go on the, for uh, days,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of pizza content.
0: It's great pizza content. So I've got a couple of pizza related questions here. Number one, for a pizza enthusiast, is it uh, verboten to uh, to refer to it as za? <laughs> za"?
1: So. You'll you'll appreciate this when I was in high school, when I was in boarding school in Virginia, we had a um a teacher slash coach. Uh, and after after games on the roads, sometimes when we were playing soccer and basketball and lacrosse and whatever, um, we we'd pick up pizzas to feed the, the team. And uh our our coach, our coach Sherman would always refer to, to to two people to a Za, two people to a Za. And I just thought it was like the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever heard before in my life. So um I I don't have a Aside from that, I don't have a visceral reaction to it. But every time I hear it, I just I picture Coach Sherm just in her ear. Do people do a za? I'm like, how about one person do a za? Give me a za, man.
0: <laughs> I need a personal za. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's uh, that's good. Now, I'll, New York style pizza, I think, is uh, to me unquestionably the best. That's my favorite. Um, opinions may vary. But I wanted your opinion on uh, the Chicago deep dish dish. Uh, Pizza and some some pizza enthusiasts dismiss the uh, the deep dish. I'm just going to tell you, I love me some deep dish. Uh, maybe maybe that's maybe that's a failing of mine. I'm, I'm willing to be criticized, so feel free.
1: So I will say this: if you go to a good Italian restaurant and you fall in love with that restaurant, and it's the same menu every single time you go, you're going to find your favorites. You know, you're going to f- settle for the chicken parm. Um, you're going to you're going to get the things that you know you like. You're going to look up like five, six times after you've been there and you've got the things you like and you realize, like, I haven't tried enough of this other stuff or I had that before and it was good, but I just like this a little bit better. Like, to me, Chicago, a good Chicago deep dish pizza, it can be a very good pizza. I don't have anything against it. It's just that you have to eat enough pizza frequently enough. This is this is my sales pitch here. If you eat pizza four or five days a week, there's always a day where Chicago is going to be a go-to, you know? From the rotation. Yeah. Have a rotation. If you're a once a month kind of pizza person, I can see how you would diminish the quality of Chicago style because you don't eat it enough and you miss it to where you're like, I got to have that New York style slice and I haven't thought about it in three weeks. And all of a sudden that's all you can, you're sitting in your mind towards. Um, I mentioned blue pan that's down the street. It's Detroit. It's that fluffy pan style. It's not deep dish. It's pan style. I try to have that as often as I can too, because they've got tremendous ingredients and it's a different thing. The pepperonis and cheese are similar, but it's a different eating experience Chicago style is 100% a different eating experience also. So my suggestion for woo the Reds, who I also refer to as woe other Reds, um, <laughs> try it. Eat Pizza enough to where you have to have Chicago style in your rotation and you will learn to love Chicago style pizza the same way that you can learn to love linguine or a good lasagna as well, which are good things that you should have to complement your thin crust pizza selections.
0: I love it. The the final statement I'll make is just um, (laughs) a few years ago, I guess it was 2018. um, The only time I've ever been to Italy. And uh, you know, they have pizza in Italy and I was excited about (laughs) a little bit. I was excited about going. And and so, you know, every night I was trying something different and just enjoying Italian cuisine because I love Italian cuisine. But my son who was 14, 13 at the time, actually when we went over there, um, he got pizza every single day, everywhere we went, he just wanted pizza. And he loved it every day, and this is a guy that's raised on American uh, American style uh, pizza base, and it's a little different uh, over there. But you know, and he's not too adventurous. But uh, so, uh, I would also recommend the uh, Neapolitan style pie uh, if you get a chance. So,
1: anyway, thanks
0: that? for the question. Whoa, other Reds.
1: Whoa, other Reds. A <laughs> couple questions,
0: real quick, and then we'll get out. Kyle Kappler, can we just call the quadruple A team in Cincinnati currently the Cincinnati Fighting Friedels? Okay, I'm okay with that. Also, uh, here's a here's a deep cut from uh, from podcast uh, history. Special Agent Deck McGuire is back and working on an investigation in Louisville. What case is he currently working on, and what evidence may come up? Now, I'm meant to look up Deck McGuire. Is he is he really back in Louisville? What is that?
1: Yeah, he started like last. I, I wrote our farmers only this morning, and I was like, McGuire through four point what? That can't, can't be Dick that. McGuire. It's got to be Dick McGuire. It is Dick McGuire. Yeah, so. Oh my
0: goodness. We made so many jokes about, you know, uh he, he's a he's a character in a you know some film noir from 1951. There he was, was a Korean League, he was in what's the CPBL?
1: There Who was a point in time where the Chinese Reds League, the Reds had more first round picks of the Toronto Blue Jays on their roster than the Toronto Blue Jays did. And it was, I'm I'm trying to remember it was Asher Wojciechowski, uh, it was Deck McGuire, and there was somebody else. It was a third one. They had three first-round picks from the Toronto Blue Jays on their roster at the same time. I, I swear I'm not making this up.
0: Well, I, I, you know, I, I believe that. And, first of all, <laughs> Asher Wojciechowski was around when I was doing uh, recaps for Red Leg Nation, uh, you know, every day, basically. And so I called Asher Wojciechowski control uh, uh, cut cut, paste, uh, basically. Clip, clipboard, yep. Yeah, yeah, because I couldn't spell his name. But, wow, Deck McGuire, thank you so much, Kyle, for bringing this to my attention. I, I, I missed it. Deck McGuire, a long-running joke here on on the show. He's 33 years old. He pitched in the Canadian League uh, last year. I don't know what he did in 2020. Uh, Same thing the rest of us did probably, sat on our couch. And then uh, the Korean League in 2019, and he's back in Louisville. And, oh, my goodness, Special Agent Deck McGuire uh, has opened up his, his, uh, you know, investigations firm in Louisville again, and he's back.
1: Inspector Deck. Yep. Yeah, he, he's
0: the case he's working on, Kyle, is uh, something to do with Corky Miller, I think, since it's Louisville. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right, here's the last question, and this is one that uh, is interesting to me. It's something I talk about this time of year every year because I'm still an uh, unrequited romantic when it comes to the All-Star game. With Charlie Browning, Charlie, don't call me Tom Browning, Ask with Tyler Stevenson out, who's going to represent the Reds at the All-Star game? If it were up to me, we'd recall Buck Farmer and send him. Uh, why not Joseph Daniel Votto? How about the Drury Flurry? I don't know what that means, but I like it. Who will we send? And so this is a question that we talk about uh, quite a bit. Uh, my brother and I, when we talk about, yeah, because I love the all the all star game. I think probably if I'm if I'm taking bets on who's the Reds all star right now, it's probably Brandon Drury. And I've, those, these are words that I just said out loud. What do you think? You got any thoughts on who's the Reds All-Star? Reds all star is going to be?
1: I do. I wrote about it earlier this week. Um, oh,
0: I I've just been called out for not reading everything Greek word, <laughs> and I apologize.
1: Don't don't ask me how many times I read what I actually write. Also, I hit publish and just move on with the day at this point. Um, I I came to Luis Castillo. Uh, you know, he's pitched well enough in the last couple starts. Where I think the fact that he started the season a little bit slow and obviously late, um, it's going to get pushed to the wayside when we roll into uh, late June, and he's got a 293 ERA and he's Luis Castillo. Um, so I think he's going to be that guy for the Reds, whether or not he actually pitches in the game because of how the Stars line up and whatever. Who knows? There are seemingly are 35 replacements every single year for the All Star game this year. He's got the name brand value. Uh, trade rumors are going to be spiking around him as well. I feel like he's going to be the Reds' name in the news. And so I think it's going to be Luis Castillo. I'm Boned for Tyler Stevenson because he was absolutely 100% deserving of being, even if there was no silly rule about every team having to have an all-star, he's an all-star this year. Right. And probably yeah. an all-star going forward as well. And there's a chance he could be back and healthy enough the week before the all-star game that he gets picked. You know, like was we mentioned the pitchers and there's so many injury replacements and whatnot – he might be back for a week and somebody says we're putting him on the roster and they put him on the roster. Yeah. Um, that said, they have to name somebody before that. I think yeah. it's going to be Luis Castillo that gets named. That's
0: good. Yeah. No, You've actually uh, given me, I'm heartened by the thought that he might get be one of those late interview replacements if he's back. Because Tyler Stevens, you know, just on a kind of a, uh, it's something we talked about last week with Carlos Guevara. Just in terms of how your career is, the career, your narrative around your career just making all-star teams a big deal, and he was Huge. absolutely going to make make the all-star team yeah. this year, and um, and so I, I'm bummed for him as well. Castillo, you know, yeah, I mean he's been he's been great since he's been back, and we got another month, and yeah, if he's, he's pitching like, one, he's like, like he's pitching
1: one. like that's the, he is an all-star. He should be one, you know. The, right, well, the guy who the guy who pitched last night or yesterday, or whatever, had the one bad pitch to Geraldo Perdomo, who only owns off the Reds. Right. Um, the way he pitched against St. Louis as well. I mean, this is, he's back to the guy that is the ace of this staff and the guy who is what had the ninth most FR in baseball over the, the yeah. last four years coming in. He's, he's an ace and kind of guy you should sign. If you want to be a legitimate big league franchise or you know all that other stuff as well, he's an all-star. And so I think he's going to get the nod this year. So what you're telling me is that
0: Luis Castillo is good. He's good. This he's your hot he's take. Hot. He's hashtag good. He is, yes. Hash brown good. Here, here's who I'm going to make a case for before we get out of here. We, we'll stop, but I'm going to make a case for a guy who finally, I had to do it after all these years of, of writing about the Reds. I finally broke down and wrote about Kyle Farmer this week. And uh, Kyle Farmer is Kyle Farmer. I, I'm not a believer in Kyle Farmer, uh, but I'm going to say this. You know, if he's, you know, last year he had the one great month, uh, you know, he had, uh 3.96 over from July 6th to August 8th, more than a month. And this was a time when the Reds went nuts and almost got, and, and got into the playoff race. Um, uh, this year, it's a, it's similar. In, over the last 21 games, he's hitting 4.03. Uh, go two more weeks, <laughs> hitting like this, and all of a sudden, you know, people are going to say, Kyle Farmer, just because I like to see, uh, some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> and um, I want to see Kyle Farmer make an all-star team just to see how... Wildly overrated, he is going forward, even though I mean, he's a perfectly cromulent player, he's fine, but an all star. I don't know, but I'm really kind of hoping that that Kyle Farmer uh, gets that spot. I'd rather Luis Castillo get it because Luis Castillo is an all star, but I don't know.
1: Kyle Farmer, go. I feel like if Kyle Farmer made an all star team, it would finally put the rest calling the Homer Bailey, Matt Camp, Yasiel Puig trade the Homer Camp, <laughs> Homer Camp Puig trade. It would be the Kyle Farmer trade, which. Right. Which it is. It actually is. The, right. He's the yeah. only one who's still around from it. But it would give, like, oh yeah, they, they got an all star of that deal. It wasn't that bad. Um, you know, he's the only guy for either team that's still around. All I know is, big red machine fans love Cesar Geronimo. They love him. I love him. I love the fact that my dad loved him. Uh, Cesar Geronimo got to play with a lot of really good players, and he was a good big league player who deserved to play. Kyle Farmer's a big leaguer. He deserves to play a lot. If he's your all-star and your best player, we're the Reds and we don't watch the standings, you know. So it's uh you know, it is it is what it is. I am happy for Kyle Farmer. He's a yes. new dad. I'm a new dad, so I, I get it. And um, I'm happy that he's happy, and I'm happy that the Reds are happy with him. You just gotta finish out the rest of the roster, Reds. You do, yeah.
0: So. That's why I'm a little frustrated with the discourse around Kyle Farmer. I'm I'm yeah. constantly accused of, of hating Kyle Farmer, and I really love Kyle Farmer, and I I love having him on the roster. And you know, we joke about intangibles, but I have, I'm fully willing to believe that guy brings something to this roster. He plays hard yeah. every day, but uh, and I don't mind him playing five six days a week all over the diamond. But if he's your starting shortstop and he's your all star, yeah, that's hit and yeah. clean up. <laughs> he's hitting clean by up, yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, all right, whatever. Um, Wick, we, we got to get out of here. This has uh, been too much fun, but we've, uh, we got to stop at some point. <laughs> Give me final thoughts for us.
1: Final thoughts. Oh, man. Uh, I, I, I think Jonathan and he is about to get hot. I'll say that. I think that they waited as long as they could with him, did so on purpose, and did the, the double secret rehab with him for the second time around. Uh, I think Dusty Baker would be proud with how slowly they brought. Jonathan India back uh I think I do think I do think Jonathan is about to just take off again so I'm excited for that because at least we have that to look forward to so
0: and there's there's fewer things that are more enjoyable to watch than uh when Jonathan is playing well and the helmets uh, flying off the hair's flying yeah it's his time it's his time so yeah glorious all right this is the Riverfront episode number 429. Uh, I'm Chad and He's Wick Terrell. You can uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your audio podcasts, just like we've always been available audio. Just look for the Riverfront. We're there. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Riverfront Subscribe to the show. Give us a like, whatever. Smash that subscribe button. It costs you nothing. And I don't know. It, just, it makes me happy when uh, those numbers go up. And th- aren't you here to make me happy? Why else would you be here? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Riverfront all those places. And again, as I mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash riverfront Sensi, wick man it's always fun talking to you thank you so much for giving us some of your time tonight
1: absolutely thank you for having me and thank you for the reds to actually give us uh, a little bit better things to talk about than they have uh i think the last time we were here which was just fresh after the uh yeah all that fun stuff that there was to start the season so yeah hopefully more of that
0: yeah absolutely it's mostly fun most nice to watch these guys and that's what we're here for it's baseball's a diversion and I just want to have some fun. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you all for listening to us. Really appreciate everything. Um, For Wick Terrell and, I don't know, Brandon Drury. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.